Good morning, church. Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers, friends, family, visitors. So grateful that we have this Sunday to be together. So grateful that you're joining us today. My name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Life. And we are truly happy to be on this penultimate Sunday. Penultimate, right? Penultimate Sunday before we've been doing this for an entire year, uh, which just causes me to react really quickly. Last Sunday, we had our family meeting. And so if you are a city lifer and couldn't attend, or if you're a visitor and you want to get to know more about us, email us. We want to share you. We want to share our budget for this year, and we want to share the video of our meeting last week. The, one of the benefits from doing it on Zoom is that we can record it. So email us at info at citylifeandj.com. We want to get that to you because we believe this whole process of being transparent and open and showing with anyone, going at being able to be in public and telling the city how we spend our money um, because we are confident in how we pursue the gospel and that we are on mission. And so, yeah, it was a great time, great to renew the vision of the church, the oversight team talking about the state of our church right now. And so if, if you want to reach out because we want to share it with you, we want to share our heart and our vision, whether you've been here at one time or you've been here for five years. And so it was a great time. Thank you all. Today, I just want to start, I want to jump right on in. I want to start with a story. Back in 2014, I was in seminary, and one of my really good friends, one of my buddies, was uh, South Korean. And during vacation, he would uh, go back home. And one of our breaks, he invited me and two other of our uh, students with us, two of our friends, to go to South Korea and help his church run an English camp. And because it's extremely hard for me to turn down a free trip, I went. I, uh, and I talked with Anne. She said, okay. Um, three weeks I, I got to spend in Korea. And during the day we were with the kids, and then we would go around the parts of the country, Seoul, the capital, Ansan, where he lived, and we would, he would take us around. He wanted to introduce us to his country. And so, yeah, of course, I'll be there with you. And uh, one of the experiences that he had for us was that we went to see the South Korean women's national volleyball team. And we got to see them play against Germany, the German team. And I love volleyball. I'm from Brazil, so here, I just have to say this. You know, we're not only just the best at soccer, but we're also the best at volleyball. I know that people in the U.S. don't really care about that, but it's a bigger deal outside of the country. And we're, just, we're also the best men and women, beach or indoor. We're pretty good. Um, so I really I was looking forward to it. I really like it. I grew up going to my sister's games, and so why not go and see some of the best in the world do it? And we go there, we sit down, like every other place we went to in Korea, very quickly people just have to look at me to see, okay, he's not Korean. Uh, we got that out of the way pretty quickly. And within a few minutes of sitting down in the seat, the, the man sitting right next to me, my neighbor, he reached out to me, with a, with a smile, very pleasant, very kind, and I did. I returned the same. But it, within a few minutes, mm, we found ourselves in a great conversation, even though we didn't speak each other's languages. The best of my Korean that I could muster was saying hello to him respectfully and to ask him how much is this? How much does this cost? So that wasn't getting me very far. Um, but in the we were having this 
connection and this conversation without any words. It was one of the best conversations I've had with another person uh, without words. And I've lived most of my life cross-culturally, but there are moments like this when you just connect with a person just because you two are people, because you two are human. It was one of my favorite interactions I've ever had with somebody, and I couldn't get two words out to him. I remember this. This was in 2014, and I still remember. I still remember him showing me pictures of his wife, of his family. I showed him pictures of my wife, Anne. We talked about soccer, roughly. We, we just had this connection, and it was all based on the fact that we did, were sharing this experience together, and we were just being people with one another. We had a genuinely good time together. And we even took this picture. I'm, I, I, we're going to post it up now. I took this picture with him. I don't, know, I don't even know his name. I don't know anything about him, but that we had this real genuine experience together. And it teaches me, times like those, experiences like those teach me that uh, it's about connecting on a human level with people. Uh, that there's something about all of us that we share as one people together, that we have this bond that at times transcends culture, race, language, age, all, all, everything that we use to identify ourselves and to divide ourselves. They just melt away when you have these special experiences. I don't know if he was a believer or not. I genuinely don't. But the whole time through my interaction with this guy, I was being taught. God was telling me. He was, he was speaking this over me. Um, the value of, of human connection. And also of the translatability of the gospel. That the gospel and the gospel alone transcends every boundary that there is. Every wall that is that exists and every wall that we've created, imaginary walls, and the gospel is the only thing that penetrates every single thing about this world and reaches all of us. I start, I start here. I start with this story. I start with the story about this man from Korea who I'll never, I've never seen since and will never see again. I start there because we've been going through our mystery series. We've been th- preaching through Ephesians about how believing in Christ changes everything. Everything about even my very own nature, the state of my soul, the state of my spirit changes. I'm a new creature. I am not the Pedro I used to be before Christ. And then how this new life gets elevated when God is, when Jesus established the church and left to build the church. It's calling it this one new humanity, this one new society that God was instilling in the world. We talked about that last week. This is actually our last sermon on this, on this theme of one new society, of one new humanity. We talked about it last week about how the church is like the recreation of humanity in the world. That God, through the church, is putting on display for all of the spiritual world, for humans to see as well, but for all of the spiritual world, every angel and every demon and everything in between, he's showing, he's, he's putting on display the manifold wisdom that is his. 
the many-colored wisdom that God is, His ability to reach everyone across every boundary. Only the gospel can do this. Only God can do this. And and that the gospel and God's presence alone ends all conflict, every conflict, every conflict that we had with God, taking us from children of wrath to children of grace, and then every conflict we have us with one another. And so that's exactly what we're going to continue to preach on today. Paul prays this prayer of that has been he's been building up to this whole time. And we're going we're gonna to break it down. We're going to look at it. What is this last piece of this one new society, this new humanity that God in his efforts is bringing down here to manifest his kingdom here? So let's pray before we jump in. Let's pray to be together, to jump into this in unity. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit is here operating and orienting everything that I say and everything that is happening on in our hearts. And so uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. First and foremost, I invite you into this time, this time that I'm recording this, this time that people are hearing this. I invite you to be a part and intimately a part of every part of this process. Lord, we only want to be here if you're here with us. And so be in the reading of your word, be in the preaching of your word, be in the hearing of your word, bringing us together into this one new humanity, this one new society that you have cause to to grow here on this earth. Lord, we love you and we trust you. I I pray that you just soak every moment of this uh, worship uh, series, yes, but worship experience, that we would, uh, the result of this is that we would know you and long for you more. I pray all of these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. So today we're going to be finishing off chapter 3 of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And God's word says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're continuing in our Ephesians series. We've been calling it the mystery series, the mystery of Christ. What does this mean? What happens? How are we changed? And today we're again in the last portion of our new society and Paul here, yeah, I love what he does here. I, I love these batches of verses here. They're so well it's constructed and put together and placed so perfectly here. To me, this, this causes me to think, church, I think that uh, I say this often, and I honestly think, I regrettably think that some people 
still don't hear it when I say it or still don't hear the truth of what is said. That the primary work for all believers, the first thing we do in whatever crisis we're in and after anything has happened, the primary work of a believer in Christ is prayer. That prayer is what changes us. It's what changes our circumstances. It's what prepares the way for growth and maturity. It's this intimate act. It's this active act. Prayer is what we turn to all the time. And I I think that is one of our big assignments in this year as a church is to learn the depth of prayer. Here are some things here that that didn't make it into the big portion of our sermons today, but I didn't want to get through this day. He starts off saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul here is essentially saying, you know what, I've I've been teaching you for two and a half chapters here. I've been writing to you how everything is different. I told you what the greatest mystery of all, the mystery of Christ is, is that the Gentiles are into, that God can do any of this, but then he makes room for all people. And then all of this, you put it all together. He's stacking, stacking, stacking. And then because of all of this, for this reason, everything he's taught us so far, we've been preaching on this for six weeks. Today is the sixth week. And he said, all of this, you know what, all of this, it, it builds up, and this is what I'm doing with it. I'm going to pray now. Prayer is a primary work for those who believe. Prayer, aligning ourselves with God's revelation, is the primary work of a believer. Prayer runs out of this revelation. You know, he's like, he's given me, he's revealed to me, an apostle, and the rest of the apostles, what this mystery is. And now it's my mission to tell the whole world and to tell all the Gentiles this, which you and I are are found in. And they say, oh, because of all this, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for you. I've been teaching you this, but now I'm going to pray. Because God has revealed prayer always comes out of revelation from God. And then he said, he starts like, I bow my knees before the Father. And right there, we, we stop there because that's peculiar in Jesus' day, well, in Paul's day, right after Jesus. Because prayer was typically done standing up. It was an active activity. Prayer is like fighting in that you, you're doing something, you're accomplishing something, you're taking this stance and this posture of activity. In Jesus' day, they stood up and they swayed and they spoke out loud. Even if they were alone, that was how they prayed. And for Paul here to say, you know, I bow my knees. is just an act of submission to the Lord, saying, Lord, you are my king. You reign over me. I want to bow my will to you, which we have seen in Scripture only a few times here. Stephen, in his martyrdom, he, was, uh, he saw God well in a submission, uh, a position of submission, Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane was laying down on his face. The prayer, this, this type of prayer here happens when we are desperate for God. Our posture, one of the commentators that I, I was reading said, the only, that, that scripture doesn't teach us, right, the rules of prayer. There's no one formula. Even the Lord's prayer isn't pray this every time and it's magic, it'll work. Whatever's your problem, this is the magic elixir. No, it's not like that. It's so much more. But the commentators say the only The only posture that does not agree with prayer is slouching because then it shows, it kind of exposes you. I'm just doing this out of routine. I'm doing this because I have to. I've been told to. This doesn't mean so much to me. But no, the posture, the urgency that we see here from Paul is, I'm going to fall on my knees before my father because everything has led up to me to pray for you about this thing. And then again, for the fourth week in a row, he talks about how rich God is. 
This time he talks about the riches of his glory. So he's Paul saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Everything up until this point has led me up to pray to you because I believe this is the most important thing I can do for you right now. And all of this is based off the fact because God is the richest one of all. That there's never any lack. There's never any holding back from God. You know, I'm going to pray with all my vigor because I believe God can do something about this because he has done something about this. And I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to pray for you. Prayer is this act of like, God, I know you can do this. I have every confidence that you can do this. Let me align my will to you and see if this is what you're doing. I I love that right from the bottom. And then Paul goes into his prayer. Commentators here call this prayer the the staircase of prayer. Paul's staircase of prayer. Paul's going to be praying for four things for the believers in Ephesus and in Asia. Four things. And every step on the staircase is leading us closer and closer and closer to Christ. And so we need to break this down. We need to look at this because this for us today is, man. Lord, how can I pray to you and know you more and be full of you more and be so in love with you more? Four things that Paul picks out. Four things that he prays over the believers in Ephesus. So let's talk about the first one. Strength in the inner being. Let's read verses 16 and 17. That according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I I love that. Paul here is saying, he's saying for us to be strengthened in our inner beings through dwelling with Christ in our hearts. Our two most intimate places, the places that are most you, that are most closest to your center, that are you without any masks, you without any games, you without in the open, that those parts of you be strengthened in Christ through his dwelling with you. What he's saying there is, oh, I pray for you believers that you grow stronger as a follower of Christ in all the right places, the deepest, downest, truest places of your being. That God touches your inner part, inner being, your inner man, which just means your true insides, where you really are, your emotions, your feelings, everything, and in your heart, the center of your soul. I love here how Paul keeps it a little ambiguous. It says here, with the power through his spirit in your inner being. And us as modern believers, we go there and say, okay, is this the Holy Spirit? Because Paul leaves it ambiguous on on purpose. Is this the Holy Spirit or is this Christ? I, I don't understand. And the answer to this question typically is both. Yes. Yes. It's like, okay, Paul, are you telling me to be strengthened by living with Jesus or living with the Holy Spirit? And I think Paul would say yes. Both. Both of them. Get both. Like, if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you're in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. It's never an either or with these two, with the two persons of the Trinity. It's yes, it's both, it's more. To allow the Holy Spirit and Christ to make a home in who you really are, it will strengthen every part of the, every part that needs to be strengthened. 
I love the Greek word here for to dwell because Greek is like German. It's so hyper-specific at times. If you change a couple of letters, it changes what the whole word means. And so this word here for dwell is the Greek word katoikeo, katoikeo, and it means to settle down somewhere. But the interesting part of this word is, is that you're not just settling down somewhere for the time or, oh, I'm just going to stay here for a few days. No, but it's a permanent move. Paul, he, Paul, through inspiration from the Lord, is saying, you know what? Be strengthening by making Christ a home in you, and he's going to come and never leave. Christ and the Holy Spirit are never, they intend to be here forever. The idea here is residence instead of lodging. He's going to come in. He's going to move. He's going to claim. He's going to reign, and he's never leaving. I love that. I love, Paul, be strengthened with the power of his spirit, Christ and the Holy Spirit in your inner being, and let, let, let Christ dwell and live in your hearts. Gosh, that's, that's too great. Remember that Paul here is writing to believers. He's writing to Christians in Ephesus, in Asia, and he's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a question that might come and should come, actually, is, well, wait, I thought they were Christians, right? They already have the Holy Spirit. They already know Christ. They're in Christ. If they're truly changed, if they're truly saved, then they, they have both. They should be good, right? But the issue here is not one of, like, God, come and save me, but it's, it's one of degree, Paul here is saying, you know what? More. More. Make more room. Make a better home. Make a stronger home. Don't be satisfied with what you have. This is all about getting more and more of Christ, more and more of the Holy Spirit to live with you, to reign in you, to give him more, to give him all the things, to go to Christ and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need you to claim more in me. I need to look more like you. I need to be more like your servant I need to practice this life like you more. It's to the degree of of our submission to Christ's reign, of the Holy Spirit's influence over our lives. So let the Holy Spirit and Jesus settle in our hearts so that we can see him get get rid of our addictions, so that we can see him diminish our sin patterns or heal us from our woundings, or stop us from continually putting ourselves in wounding position one after the other. It's for him to bring us life, to change everything about who we are. It's a degree, Lord, I want to look more like you tomorrow than I did today. If I look the same way, if I have the same amount of Jesus and Holy Spirit in me by December 31st, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm doing something wrong. So help me make a home. Teach me how to make this home in you. Lord, I want you to go to places that I have never been before in me. I want to give you permission to do things in me that I haven't yet. I want to take chances and risks with you because I think you're great enough. I think that the Father's purpose in us with, the, with Christ and with the Holy Spirit is always more of Christ and more Spirit. It's never less. It's absolutely never less, and it's also never the same. More. I want more, Lord. I want more of you that I, I want to be strengthened and live closer to Christ and the Spirit every moment of my life. I want, to be, I want to live life to the fullest. If you give me 30% of strength, Lord, I want that 30% so that I can get 60% next year, 80% the year after that. Lord, I want more. I want more of you. And then after that, he talks about rooting and grounding. 
Let's read verse 17. God's word says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's the second step in the staircase. Rooted and grounded in love. That, you know, the strengthening that happened at first, it was for a purpose. It was so that we are firmly planted in love. We could have been planted in any other virtue, any other of God's attributes, but we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, I love these words. We don't even have to go to the Greek because the English here is, is so nice and significant. I, I love the word rooted. Rooted is a, a botany term. You know, it's biological, it's organic, it's natural. And it makes me think of when Jesus talked about him being the true vine and us being the branches, that we actually first live when we say, Lord, I want to be connected to your vine. It's organic. It's beautiful. It's natural. It's really nice. It's God made. And then the word grounded here, it's an architectural term, right? So we see both organic and then this one that's built, it's created, it's intentional, it's cared for, it's planned out. And I think of the story when Jesus, the parable when Jesus told about building our house on the rock and not on the sand, right? I love that we're called to be rooted and grounded, firmly placed, immovable. And what is it that we're supposed to be immovable in? And it's love. This is, to me, communicating stability, safety, care, attention. That God so loved us that he came here and did it first. He, he showed us how to do this first. And now we have to pray to be grounded in the same thing. It's like, God, I know the amount of love you've shown me. I know what your love has done for me. I know what it has carried me out of, and I know what it spared me from. And so why would I ever withhold your love from another person? In, in the moments where it's hardest to be grounded and rooted in love, that, those are the moments that we need to most ask for God. Pray to God, Lord, I need to be grounded in love because you have been too good to me, and I need to show that to this person. And then the third step that Paul talks about is about comprehending the dimensions of Christ. Let's read verses 18 and 19 here. So beautiful. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We are also called in prayer and to live out that we know the depths, all of the dimensions of what Christ has done. I, I, I love this. Uh, one of the things that I read that I really enjoyed about this is uh, a commentator wrote that um, he finds it impossible to read these passages here and not feel like you're leaving a holy place or that you've entered into a holy place or glimpse uh, around a holy curtain. But here we just get to see the beauty, majesty, and all-encompassing nature of Christ and what he did for us. John Stott, he wrote this. I really like this. I, I, I'm not poetic enough to have the right words to talk about this, but he wrote this, that we shouldn't over-systematize this love, right? But that at, at, this, at the very least, it means this, that, what, that Christ's love is broad enough to encompass all of humanity, that Christ's love is long enough to last in eternity, that it is deep enough to reach the lowest of sinners, and that it's high enough 
to be exalted in heaven above everything. That, the, that what Jesus did for us is we will, it's unsearchable that we talked about last week, right? It's the depth and all that is in it is to us in our nature, in our humanity, so great that it's unfathomable. It's undiscoverable to the truest way. I, I, this reminds me of how Ephesians 1 ended. It's like, oh, until we see the one who fills all in all. Oh, my God, I will always be too incomplete. Though I'm saved and I'm called a saint now, I will always be too broken in this state to truly ever get to the depths of what you did. To see how broad it was, how high it was, how deep it was, how long it was, how high it was, man. I also love how Paul here includes that, you know, this cannot be done. It's not, we're not called to do this alone. He says here that we might have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. Church, I don't think it's impossible for, for us to know the love of Christ alone. Because I know what Christ has done for me. I know that I've been saved. I know his love. But I do think it's impossible to grow in degree and maturity and go deeper without doing this together. Because over and over and over again, we're told this is done together. This is done with all the saints, with the church. No man is an island. No woman is an island. And so don't try and ever be with one. You grow by doing this with all the saints. I love this. And I also love how he even does, he mentions at the end, you know what, you do this and you spend your entire life doing this. You put your entire passion into this and it's still always going to be surpass knowledge. That this isn't just about this, but it's about in here too. And it's about living it out and experiencing, having experiences with Christ and with people, whether they believe in him or not. And just be like, Lord, you are so incredible that you created all this, that you are creative enough to make each person so different and deep. And I, I don't even, we can't even explore the depths of what Christ did in all of his dimensions, how far his work went, man. But it all leads to this, the strengthening and then the rooting and grounding and then now the dimensions all, all lead to this, which is the last step, which is filled with fullness. Let's read verse 19 together. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Remember, he's writing this to believers, to people who already have been saved, to people who are already saints, who are new beings, full of the Holy Spirit. And the last step is to be full, to the fullness. This church is a call to maturity, and it's another call to degree. One of our major themes for the year for our entire church is maturity, maturing as an organization, as believers, as individuals, as a group, (laughs) maturing in our understanding of theology, of what Christ has done for us, of Scripture, maturing in all these ways. And then we see here Paul saying, you know what, that we be filled with all the fullness of God to continually, we already have Him in the Spirit, but we need more, we need more. Lord, I need to submit more of my life to you. I need to look more like you. That, Lord, my agenda is to be here for you. And my desire is to say, Lord, make my heart know you deeper. 
make my inner person, my inner being, hold you stronger. Uh, one of my favorite prayers in Scripture, but also one of the ones that I think is misused the most, is John the Baptist in John chapter 3 when he says, that I may decrease for you to increase. Uh, I would never want this to be used as a way to hurt yourself, right? God loves you. He doesn't want you to go away. He doesn't want you to turn into a robot, right? He, he, he lifts us up as well in, in his perfect love. But I get the picture here, Lord. I want more of you. I want to look more like you. I want to be more like you. I want to serve you. I want to be your servant. I want to tie myself to you and know you and, and live with you in my soul and in my spirit more than I ever have. It's a call to degree, of, to God's reign, to Christ's reign as your king. Lord, I need to grow up. I need to grow up in you. I need to get past some things. I, need, I want to experience other things. I want some of, these, the, some of my longings and desires to be seen. So, Lord, I long to be somewhere new in my faith this year. Lord, I wish to have more experiences with you, real genuine experiences with you. Lord, I want my faith to increase in you so that my inner being is built up, so that I'm grounded and rooted in love and all the time, but especially when I don't want to be, and so that I comprehend all of the dimensions of what you've done so that I can truly, truly say to you that I am to, to the world and live in a way that I know that I'm truly filled. I'm filled by you. I wonder when I talk like this, I wonder how many people hear me and think I sound like a used car salesman. Be like, yeah, that's the, that's the party line, right? That's the talking points. That's what Christians always say. Or, the, you know, that's what people told, they promised me this and I've never seen it happen. Or I just feel the same as I did when I was a first-time believer. And I'm like, Lord, this prayer, teach me to grow deeper in you to mature in my faith in you, mature in my following of you. Let's conclude this. Let's conclude Paul's four prayer steps here really quick. To conclude this passage, Paul here, he takes his prayer and he prays a benediction. In my, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful ones in all of Scripture. Verses 20 and 21 say, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love how in a, in a true life lived with Christ, in one that is seeking maturity and growth and depth, constantly coming to a place more and more and more of saying, Lord, I realize how little I am and how big you were. I realize my need for you. I, need, I, I realize that I'm sick and I need you. I was dead and you say, brought me to life. And now I'm sick and I need you to heal me. I need you to change me. I need to go somewhere I've never been before with you. I need my faith to be real and tangible. I need to feel you in me. I need to feel you speaking to me. I want to see you talk to me so I can pray with other people. I, everything that I've ever heard about people talking about the gospel, I want to live out myself. I want a piece of this, Lord. And I think God loves that prayer. That This is what Paul is saying here in this benediction. 
Paul is praying with no abandon because he knows he's praying to someone who can do everything that he that is ever asked. See, he said, he, Paul is saying here, so I can pray all of these things. I think all of these things are true because you're able to work. That's the first. That's the most basic thing that he claims there. I know you can do this. You're not dead. You're not ignoring me. You listen. You're here. You're active. You're not idle. And not only that, not only are you able, but you're able to do that because you hear us. Listen to us. You're real. You have a real relationship with me. You care. You would stoop down so low to talk to me, to hear me. Not only that, he's able to do what we ask or think, even just think, because he is so intimately with us. He knows us. He made us. He's everywhere. He knows everything. Not only just that, but he's able to do more than we ever ask or think because he, his expectations are always higher for you. If you put everything that you've ever dreamt of on a piece of paper, that is so small compared to God's expectations and desires for us. And then not only that, he's able to do much more, more abundantly, without any limit, without any lack, and without holding back. Because that is the type of God that he is. He never lacks anything. And so, church, the challenge for today is, do we pray like this? Do we live like this? Does the sum of my life show the world or myself, if I examine it, that like I really believe in this? I'm growing in this. I'm doing things today that I couldn't do last year. In five years from now, I want to be such a different place than where I am right now. In a week from today, I want to be further along. I want to be more in Christ. Like, Lord, you promise all of this. And prayer is one of the ways that we activate this, that we're active in our faith and our relationship to you, that in prayer we're strengthening this home that you have in us to live in us permanently, not temporarily, that in prayer we are grounded and rooted in love, self-sacrificial love that Christ showed for us, that in prayer we can comprehend as much as we can the magnitude of what he did for us. And so church, this is, this is our assignment for every day, but especially this year. This is what we've been talking about. This is what family meeting was all about. We, we have places to go in our faith. We are going to go deeper. We need to go deeper. Our church, we want to be somewhere completely new on December 31st and right now. Like, Lord, help us to get there. Help us to have a great outreach. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to be a healing center for the city physically and emotionally. Help us to be a people that cast out demons even at work on our break. Like, oh, how, how, that would be crazy, but that's possible. Because God always wants more of us with the Spirit and with His Son. And so right after this call, we're going, right after this sermon, we're going to be going on our whole church Zoom call. If you're a first time, even if you're a first time, come and take communion with us. Come and hear more about uh, the heart of our church and what we care about. Come and meet some of our amazing people. We're going to be dividing into small, more tangible groups. So come, please don't be afraid. I know it's really intimidating in this season. And church, city lifers, come with this expectation that like, oh, we are this church, this new humanity together for Christ on mission and running towards where he is. That he would more fill this home, our home here, city life, with his presence more and more every day, every Sunday, after every MC call. So here are some prompt questions, and then we're going to jump on the call, take communion together. Church, we love you so much, and we long to be together. And so until we are, we'll be praying for all of you, and we'll see you very soon on the call. So here are your prompt questions for today. 
Here's the first prompt question. Where in your life do you want to see more of God in? Is there a specific, tangible part of your life where you're like, oh, I just really want breakthrough, or I want to see you act in this way, or I want freedom from this? Where in your life do you want to see Jesus dwell in more clearly? Prompt question number two. Do you connect with God through prayer, or is it more of a chore or duty? This is another honest question. It will only ever do you any good if you're honest with yourself. Do you legitimately connect with God through prayer? And I'm not talking about only in this season, uh, because you might have in the past, but is prayer, do you understand prayer? Do you practice prayer? Do you give prayer an honest shot? Prompt question number three. How do you seek after a deeper relationship with Christ? If a relationship with Christ and with the Holy Spirit and with the Father is, is like any other relationship that you have to invest in and grow and get to know, how do you tangibly feed that relationship? Is there anything that you do to like really promote that in your life? So church, I love you. Jump on this call. We're going to be taking communion. Can't wait for us to be together. That day will come. Um, We love you all. We'll see you very soon. Bye.